0: Comics,
1: movies, music,
0: video games, technology,
1: Blu-ray, television. This
0: is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The move with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Every time Catherine
1: revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants off get who i was for a half hour or so it's 30 minutes away i'll be there in 10, I'll be there in 10. is this a five minute argument or a full half hour you have
0: 30 minutes to move your car move your car you have 30 minutes to move your cube your cube you are listening to a half hour wasted escaping the cold hand of death for one more day
1: episode 485 of half hour wasted i am frank cinnamon toast crunch Rinkon.
2: i'm brad sugar smacks milo
0: i am uh bill crunchberries mcgonnell
1: ah cereal we all love eating it delicious cereal i don't remember that's all, the, I, that's all i gotta say is that we all love eating it
2: i don't remember the last time i actually ate any cereal
1: really i eat uh i eat Old man, sugar uh, cereal. Sorry, I eat um, bran flakes. Well, like an old man. Bill, in Super an effort
2: fiberglass. to in an effort to cut down on carbs, I stopped eating cereal in the morning. Now it's official. I gained eight pounds during my forty-five day quarantine. <laughs> okay, absolutely, one hundred percent serious. Um, my last day, uh, my day one of quarantine, I stepped on the scale. Day forty five, I stepped on the scale. I went back to work on day forty six. By the way, been back to work for one week, um, but nice. I, I was eight pounds heavier.
1: So yes. I'm sure you'll walk that off in no time. Yeah, really. So, Brad, tell us about tell us how's work. How's being back at work? Well, it's strange. Uh, I work at the I'm the AV
2: guy at the Hearst Conference Center, which means I set up and run AV for events. Well, there are no events happening, so um, luckily I was able to stay gone for a long time and continue to get paid i'm very thankful for that and i acknowledge my quote-unquote fortune Uh, there are no events scheduled it's possible we may have a wedding uh, rehearsal this coming weekend because the state of texas has opened up for certain things at reduced capacities and a wedding rehearsal falls into that category so it's very possible Um, that, that may happen. There are only about five of us in the building right now. A lot of us are still working from home. I've moved out of my office that I share with my office mate, Tony, and moved into meeting room five. And so I've got my own nice spacious office, which is, (laughs) um, kind of strange, but, um.
1: Did you put your it's desk beautiful. on the far end of, or the entrance, sorry, So you, when you walk in, you have to like walk twenty yards to get to your desk. Like, and if uh, someone knocks on your door, then you have to get up and walk twenty yards over to open the door.
2: It that reminds me of that scene it's in. Just
1: set up a little closer to the door, maybe. That,
2: that <laughs> reminds me of that scene in Christmas Vacation, where Chevy Chase walks in with a Christmas present for his boss, and he's at that he's at the very end of that. 20 foot long table. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what is that? Anyways, uh, no, I set up directly in the center of, uh, <laughs> of the meeting That's room. Even better. Yeah. Just me and my table.
0: It's um, very symmetrical of you.
2: before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that I have possibly made a huge mistake. Um, I'm oh going to, I'm going to hold something up to the camera for you guys. And then I'll tell you, tell the, uh, listeners about it. I have started, uh, probably doing this.
0: Oh my god.
2: So in my hand I am holding the Dungeons and Dragons starter set and the player's handbook. I've, when I was a A young lad, I played briefly next door with with my neighbor who was a couple years older than me. My favorite part at the time was making maps on graph paper, you know. And then I just never got back into it. You know, I've done my share of making fun of people who, um, you know, played it. And just like all of us, we always kind of end up doing things that we never thought we'd do. And Allison had been telling me of... soap. Huh? Yeah, like using soap and deodorant. Um, okay. uh, Allison had been telling me a while back about how she was playing a little bit with some of her friends in high school and an honest, if I have been honest with myself every time I made fun of somebody for playing Dungeons and Dragons it probably was because I was a little bit jealous and a lot interested in learning how to play the game so I, in quarantine I bought this stuff and I'm just learning. It's a lot more complicated to get started than I anticipated because i went in with zero knowledge anyway the starter set has a basic rule book it has a small set of dice and it has a small adventure that you can run and five pre-generated characters so you can just oh, yeah. kind of get right into playing the game understanding the mechanics of the game and with a pre-generated character so my kids hey, uh, my see, kids, uh, and i are getting uh, excited about starting this
0: now, Brad, making um, uh, making dungeons on graph paper.
1: Ooh, Check that out. Did oh, you... Bill's holding up one of his maps. Very nice. Cool.
0: There's one. Here's uh, here's another.
1: Wow! Look one at blue. very ooh. nice
0: dungeons on graph paper, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, sixth grade for me. Wow! Um,
2: you held on I, to that uh, the whole time.
0: I have so, held on to it the whole stink of time. I've still got my uh, my original uh, uh, completely money hauled uh, uh, D. D and D character uh played with them we started in um we started in the sixth grade uh, mm. which would be oh my god uh 1978 i think we we're about a year I, I remember in the fifth grade um older brothers of friends uh to talk about dnd i was like oh what, what what's this uh you know uh feed this into my veins man yeah and uh yeah the the next year they're like Nah man you're too young to play with us and so uh the the next year we started uh playing with
2: ourselves. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: um, I'm looking forward to learning, uh, to learning and, and, um, you know, I understand that I understand now that most of this is a theater of the mind thing. And, um, I guess I've kind of always known that, but once I delved into the rules and learning what the dice rolls mean and how you navigate the whole thing, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to to getting in there, and my kids are interested, so we'll we'll have a nice time. And it's something that so, since Ashley lives in Arkansas, we can play it over Facetime or video chat or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, uh, Brad, everything you you said about you know uh, making fun of people but secretly interested—that has always been my uh, 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 my feeling too. I always felt like I would be the type of person that if I started Dungeons and Dragons, I would get in a deep. And, um, so much so that, you know, I would, I would do a neck beard and start wearing a fedora and call yeah. everyone mama lady and stuff. But funny story, a couple years ago, uh, I met a, uh, uh, someone that, that, uh, was a client of ours. And so we're talking very elegant, very put together woman, just, just, and, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh uh, not the type of woman you would think would play D&D, but it came up. She goes, yeah, I play it all the time. I have a, 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 I have a clan that I've been playing with for like 10 years. Wow here to see this woman, you would never think that, uh, uh, that she plays. Anyway, uh, so I told her, it's like, look, I've always kind of wanted to play. Can I join your clan? Can I sit in? And she goes, well, we're pretty tight-knit. Let me Let me talk to them and see what they say. And she never got back to me. Of course, of course oh, not. No. Yeah, and and I think it I think it mostly had to do with the fact that they just didn't want anyone new no. in the group.
2: I can understand that because once you start um, with a group, you'd you want to if you're like playing with history with this group, and then all of a sudden somebody else comes in. I can understand how that would throw people off. I've been watching yeah. videos on on D and D on YouTube. I've actually watched games not a whole game cause they take a long time, but like I've watched people playing on, like you can play online with this software that lets you roll dice and shows your maps and all that stuff to me. I want to keep it simple and just kind of get in on the ground floor and learn, but I'm kind of excited about it. How are
0: you, how are you supposed to cheat if you've got a computer doing it for you?
1: I don't know, <laughs> man. Hey, there uh, is a, uh, there is a podcast I can recommend, which I listen to, uh, about D and D that I love. It's called the adventure zone. <laughs> And it starts off with uh, a couple of guys. uh, There's four four or five guys in the group. Two of the guys know how to play D&D. Everyone else does not. They create and, as the story goes on, uh, starts to fictionalize and dramatize their, uh, their adventures mm-hmm. guys, it is so good. It's What's called the adventures. It's called the adventure zone. Of course it starts off a little rough because they're just getting their feet wet. But, uh, but like by episode three or four or five, man, it is a home run. It's by the McElroy brothers. They, uh, they produce such wonderful podcast as my brother, my brother and me, which is a very funny and blue podcast. Uh, it's an advice show. And, uh, and one, which I know is going to sound totally out of left field, called Rose Buddies, which is one of the brothers and his wife talking about The Bachelor. Now, I don't <laughs> watch The Bachelor. I don't know anything about The Bachelor. But this guy and his wife have such great chemistry that they make the show fun. And uh, I've been listening to 30 episodes of that, uh, of that podcast. I just found uh, it
2: online, so I'll... I'll leave it up on a screen so I can remember what yeah, it's called. Yeah, it, give it a and, shot. Yeah. Um, okay, Let's get so, down to yeah, we are going to talk about the Mandalorian TV show on uh, Disney+. Frank finally saw it. We've been talking about doing this. And um, overall, uh, like it or, or, or not, Frank, what was your general feeling?
1: Loved it. Thought yeah. it was refreshing. It is a great take on the Star Wars universe. Uh, going into it, I knew a lot of the plot points. So plot-wise, I wasn't really surprised. Character-wise, though, loved it. French kiss or Italian cook kiss. Mm-hmm. So and, good.
2: And visually, Frank, I think most of these episodes look like a mini-movie in, in, in their own. Yes, agreed. Yeah.
0: Bill, you liked it as well? Oh it, yes, it, it was. Uh, yeah, four, four and a half reverse flashes, maybe five. Um, it was. I, I think um, even though it was only eight episodes, it was really interesting because um, some of the episodes are what an hour long. Some of the episodes are thirty-five minutes long. It was just literally yeah. a, a sandbox that Dave Filoni and friends were playing in.
2: And yeah, they, they were.
0: Uh, I thought it was really cool how they would just say, you know what? We need this long to do this story. Okay, cool. Now nah, we need 20 minutes longer to do this next story. Okay. Um, it was just cool that they operated basically with eh, no rules. You know?
1: No rules? Uh, just right. Just like it was uh, just Chili's. Right. Yeah.
0: Was that Chili's? Yeah, that. I, thought, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I'm not sure who. Or right. Outback Steakhouse? Uh, I might be out back. just
2: right. I'm gonna look it up real quick. No, I'll do that later. So I was all... uh,
0: I was intrigued to find out that uh John Favreau, who I've always considered kind of a director, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously he gave us, you know, Iron Man and you know uh, Zathra and you know stuff like that. Uh Elf. Um but I, to find out that he wrote uh six of the eight episodes was surprising to me.
1: Yeah. He and, is uh, I applaud his writing chops.
0: So good. Yeah. I mean, who, who knew? I mean, I, I would have to look it up to find out what else John Favreau has written ever. Uh, cause I just, I never, uh, I, I never ascribed that, that, uh, that personal, uh, um, skill to him. Uh, I thought it was just really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to check that out one of these days, possibly now,
1: <laughs>
0: Um but, uh,
2: we know who John Favreau is. Some people might not know who Dave Filoni is. Dave Filoni uh, was the guy who along with George Lucas started and created the Clone Wars animated series, not the um I I honestly don't know if he was uh, involved in that first com- cartoon animation series, but the uh computer animated series that just ended with a season seven that had come back over after several years of being away, he was involved along with <clears throat> excuse me, along with uh, John Favreau and uh, Kathleen Kennedy and a gentleman named Colin Wilson. They were all EPs on on the show. So um, like you said, this was I'm pretty sure this was uh, uh, John Favreau's you know brainchild. he he pitched this idea. Um, so let's just get right into it, and we'll talk about these episodes. We may do all eight in one episode of Half Hour Wasted. Maybe we'll do four, and then four. Who knows? Well, it just depends on how long we we talk about these.
1: So I started to clock late, but we we got seventeen minutes. Let's see what happens. Yeah, if we kick, if we all stick right. to it, you know.
2: So episode so, one. Go ahead, Bill.
0: I was just gonna say that it uh, looks like Filoni came in possibly at the very, very end of the original Clone Wars series. But of course, uh, the, uh the Rebels cartoon animated was pretty much his baby. Correct, yes.
1: Yeah, okay. There was some uh, great stuff in that, by the way. And I've yeah. I've been watching I've been watching Rebels recently too, and, and it's it's a it's a fun cartoon, uh but it's a little too uh serialized or or you know, good guys, bad guys. There's not a lot of gray in the middle. It's fun, but I watched.
2: I watched all of it. We got to see yeah. uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn be brought into canon in that show, yeah. which was great. Um yeah. and of course, oh, F- go ahead, Bill. Uh,
0: Filoni was responsible for the final uh, final season of uh, the Clone Wars. By the way,
2: of the cartoon, so, yeah, and he wrote uh, Airbender.
1: Uh, he wrote
0: I- some dialogue in the first season, oh eight, but um, he was. Uh, out of the series until uh, the final season he apparently wrote or at least co-wrote uh, all the episodes in the uh, the final season okay so just FYI
2: um so episode or chapter one was titled the Mandalorian it was directed by Dave Filoni written by Jean Favreau here's the uh synopsis all these synopses are coming from Wikipedia by the way Five years after the fall of the Galactic Empire, a Mandalorian bounty hunter hands his latest bounty to Grief Karga, who is played by Carl Weathers. Then he accepts the -the under-the-table commission on the outpost world of Navarro from an enigmatic client with apparent imperial connections, directing him to track down and capture an unnamed 50-year-old target. While the client is indifferent to the target's well-being, his colleague, Dr. Pershing, insists the target be brought back alive. The Mandalorian is given a down payment of a single bar of Beskar steel, which is sacred to his people. It's metal. He, he's, he takes it to a covert Mandalorian enclave under the city, where an armorer uses it to make him a pauldron, which is it's a shoulder covering. Arriving at the planet of the target's last reported location, the Mandalorian is aided by a vapor farmer named Quill. It's pronounced Quill. Tired of the chaos that bounty hunters bring to the area, Quill leads him to the target's location and departs. Entering the remote and heavily defended encampment, the Mandalorian reluctantly teams up with bounty hunting droid IG-11 to clear the camp and find the quarry, a child of Yoda's species, which to this point is still unnamed. The child is unnamed, and the species that Yoda is, is unnamed. When IG-11 attempts to kill the infant per its bounty orders, the Mandalorian shoots and destroys the droid, taking the child alive. Now, when I saw this first episode, I must have rewatched it at least two more times immediately. (laughs) It was refreshing. It was goosebump-inducing. And I thought, one of my first thoughts was, Is that an (laughs) But it felt I think,
1: like Star I think Wars, didn't it was Nick Nolte's voice, right? It, yes, it yes. was. And
2: I also think it was his face and makeup. I could be very wrong cuz it it kind of seemed like he had some some facial expressions that I associate with Nick Nolte. I don't know that for a fact. Maybe I'm just projecting, but yes, it was Nick Nolte's voice. And by the way, yeah, what Oh, go ahead. The very first the blue alien at the very in the very beginning, the one that was being harassed and then Mando comes in and and kind of saves. Do y'all know who that actor was in the blue alien uh, no, makeup? No. that was the great and wonderful Horatio Sands.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> okay.
2: When I was watching <laughs> that, I was like, "This guy feels." Okay,
0: would have used those adjectives, but that's, that's oh, very interesting. <laughs> come on, dude!
2: Horatio Sands is one in a million. He is amazing. Uh, when I was watching that, that I only... was super. Super! I was like, I know who this is. I had to look it up. I couldn't quite get it, but
0: he he stole the most money from Saturday Night Live of of anybody, but one person in the history. Oh, of Saturday those Night are Night Live. those are fighting that words. Are the persons of obviously, Kenan Thompson.
2: Oh, you shut up! <laughs> those are fighting words. Both of those guys are tr- American treasures. You just keep your <laughs> mouth shut. All right, so um, yeah, Bill, you're right. This felt like star wars i mean it 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 felt like a movie i was like i've got to have more of this why do
1: i have to wait a whole week (laughs) it uh it painted such a a wonderfully grim picture that made sense of of the universe you know five years after a war there would be chaos and things would not be all roses and blueberries um
0: it, Especially in an outpost world, I mean, you're you're way, way far away. You know, that's that's, that's the equivalent of being out in the country.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and man, it's just just the characterization of of all the actors that, that we meet, all the all the characters we meet, and this first story is just is just right on, just home, home, run. big home run.
2: Um, so when you guys first saw what's been come to know as Baby Yoda. Did y'all lose it the way I did? They, how, how in the galaxy did they keep this a secret? <laughs> how did they surprise that, us with this?
0: That is an amazing thing, isn't it? Uh, of, for something, and we realized it immediately. I, I watched the first episode with the kids, I watched it with, uh, with our, our, our mutual friend Mike. Uh, I, I like you, I watched that first episode probably four times before the second episode came out, and, and each time I was just, just dumbstruck. Um, what you doing? And, uh, okay, for you, I'm sorry. Uh, um, I got. Uh, I'm say hi to Frank and Brad. By the way,
1: hi Brad and Frank. Okay, there you hi. go. Nice.
0: Okay. Um, sorry, she's uh, she was letting me know she's going to run an errand. Uh, that, was that was Zoe. The, uh, the, that was the lovely Zoe. Yeah. Who was uh, who was about the to graduate Zoe. high school. Who's about to? She's 18 and she is about to graduate high school. Sands prom and uh, Sands uh, um, graduation ceremony, Aww. which that may get pushed back good. to August 1st. Uh, she'll
2: have stories I, to tell her
0: grandchildren. I, I, have, yeah. I, have, I, have, I, never got,
1: I, I never got a prom.
0: I, I, uh, I watched the dog yesterday, and Zoe and I were walking the dog around the uh, around the neighborhood, um, uh, while Sage was. Uh, I think Sage was selling cocaine or maybe going on bank heist, or something like that. I'm, I don't know. It may have been meth. Tell, tell him just, to
1: choose a path. I mean, either, well, he's 13. either sell cocaine yeah. or it sounds robber.
0: like he's
2: spreading himself a bit thin, Bill.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I was, I, well, I don't know. I mean, he's pretty good. Um, he, he's pretty good at what he does. Uh, just, just what he does isn't nice. Um, you know,
1: if you want to succeed in either career, Bill, he needs to focus. You need yeah. to sit down and go, look, dealer, robber. Yeah. You got to, son. <laughs> Well and we were walking around we were looking
0: at all the uh, the yard signs in the neighborhood for uh, for graduates and it was like man I just I you know I, I feel apologetic. I almost want to uh, apologize to you for the state of the world these days, but there's not a whole lot I could do about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just like, yeah, cause I, I had fun at my senior prom and I, I remember graduation and, uh, you know, yeah, you, uh, um, I don't know it's, uh, it feels very much, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Chinese curse, uh, is alive and well, the Chinese curse, of course, being may you live in interesting times. So,
1: um I, uh, they, uh, I, I guarantee you they got it easy. I guarantee you right now in Hollywood there's gotta be at least twenty scripts floating around about like uh uh that's gonna be a story about like I never got to go to my high school prom and I never got to ask the perfect girl. Now here it is ten years later, and this is my big chance and the whole movie's gonna be about like uh um you <laughs> know, twenty eight year olds trying to recreate being eighteen. Uh um Again, just just to relive that. Uh, I bet we'll see experience. a movie
2: like that sometime. Yeah, I tell you what, I may be the only person, um,
0: and I may be the only person on the planet, but uh, I will absolutely be boycotting. Any uh, any media, uh, starting now, throughout the history of the universe, that has to deal with uh, COVID-19 and what we're dealing with. I don't ever want to see a freaking movie about it. I want it Out of My Life. Um, I uh, I don't want to minimize its impact, but uh, I want it gone. Um, I want it forgotten. Um, you know, If we could do the Men in Black thing where you, you, you flash the light and then you tell people what to forget, that's what I'd want to forget. And It'd that- be hard to forget.
2: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a tangent.
1: Right.
0: <laughs>
2: so we were talking about how they kept Yoda, Baby Yoda, a secret. It's, it amazes me that, that they did that. And th- thankfully, Jon Favreau was able to convince Disney to do that. Yes, Disney probably lost a lot of money in toy merchandise. But the impact <laughs> that it had on viewers That's right.
1: was amazing. I mean, that was right around uh, Christmas, and I remember a lot of people complaining the lack of Yoda toys or Yoda merch. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, we give them credit uh, for doing at least this one thing really, really well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, The the way they kept it from us, and and it was just amazing how universal the reaction was to Baby Yoda, and it was completely merited because we sat there for eight episodes, uh, seven and a half episodes, I guess. And no matter who I was watching it with, we would continually have the same reaction. Good Lord, is that baby cute and awesome. And (laughs) how did they hide that from us? And every single time you see it, it's like, that is the cutest thing I've ever seen. How did they do that? I know. what what tools did they use to make something which was that precious? You just want to hug them.
2: I know people who have never been interested in star Wars, but then as soon as they see this baby Yoda, everybody knows who Yoda is. It's been in the pop culture for decades. And now when they see this baby, Yoda, I know hot, hot smoke shows who aren't interested at all in star Wars, who are just goo -goo for baby Yoda. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we should also, Hey, go ahead. Go ahead, Brad.
1: No, you first, uh, uh, the, this was co- continuing on with the episode. Um, yeah. Brad, I know you read a lot of the legacy, uh, what's now considered legacy Star Wars books. Yes. And I want to talk about IG-11 uh, IG
2: in this. I um, do not believe IG-11 was ever in any of those books. I think this is a new creation for this show.
1: Well, okay. actually, I was referring to the IG series. Now, yes. If I yes. remember correctly, the IG series... It, and it may not be in this episode, but maybe another episode. They say that they are specifically designed as assassin droids. Oh, or, that's that's
2: uh, been well established for
1: years and years and years and years.
0: Oh yeah, I I scary oh, forever.
1: Now I thought I swear I read this in a book that the in fact it may have been Tales of the Bounty Hunter that the IG series were actually accounting droids, uh, um, specifically done for banking purposes, and that. The one that we see in uh, *Empire Strikes Back* had been reprogrammed or broke its programming or something like that. Well,
2: maybe Interesting. maybe that's that's true. Maybe that was um, established in that book. But as you pointed out, and of
0: course we, we all know him as IG eighty eight,
2: right? And as as you pointed out, that was legend. That was expanded yeah. universe. So, but it, as far as canon goes, the IG series of droids have always been programmed for. Destruction and murder. So, and of okay. course, the the great and wonderful Taika Waititi does the voice of IG-11 in this uh, series. Hey, I love Taika Waititi. I mean, I would like to be his friend. That's And I just want to talk to him. He's so great. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm sure you heard he recently got uh, picked up to do a, star, a new Star Wars movie.
2: Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm excited about that. So, Very you know, there'll be that. some,
1: some humor and quirkiness, which we're not typically used to in our star Wars stuff. But this, um, this, uh,
2: uh, series, you know, had some of that in it. And, uh, I think, didn't Taika Waititi direct one of these episodes? Yeah. Let's
1: look down the list. Let's see.
0: Um, no, uh, he directed only the final episode.
1: Okay, well, maybe that's what I'm thinking. I don't I'm know
0: thinking. why I started that with no, because the answer was yes. Maybe that's <laughs> what
2: I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, he did direct the last one. So, I love Taika Waititi. This uh, robot is this great. This I-11 is uh, wonderful. Um, and, of course, we should mention Vorne Herzog. The um,
1: <laughs> the uh Sorry.
0: Dog.
2: the German film director and screenwriter. I don't know much about this guy, but uh uh his he character is, was uh, great. Yeah, Bounty he always hunted comes is a complicated profession.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think uh, I think his character was was really interesting.
1: Uh he is actually a, a semi-regular on the Simpsons. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, because of his voice. I mean, he just has such a great voice and uh and uh, usually, first year uh, film class, you always have to watch like uh, he did a movie called uh, uh, Fritz Corraldo, and uh, that's like kind of required review uh, uh, viewing. Um, it he directed it, and uh, it's about moving a ship over the mountains in um, in in the Amazon.
2: So, why do you guys think the Mando? We won't call him his name until we actually learn it. So that'll be episode seven. Why do you think The Mandalorian had a change of heart as far as the bounty hunter creed, the guild's creed? With you do a job, you don't get involved. I mean, was it because he was remembering his time as a child when he was rescued? You think that's all it was?
1: That's where that, that's where I lean towards, and we don't learn that till later. But right,
0: yeah, that that, that was unexplored certainly at the top. I I always. Uh, uh, Decided, I decided for myself that uh, it, was, it was a bounty hunter who was not without heart. And um, uh, he was more than willing to take out an adult or a gang. But, okay, now all of a sudden this comes to a, a, a being that appears to be truly innocent. And uh, he, he's not willing to sell the last few shards of his
2: soul. I love uh, the last do, shot that of that job. episode where he's just standing there <sighs> looking in and he kind of puts points his finger and the little baby Yoda hand just kind of reaches up. Yeah, I like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and, they don't, and, maybe, and they don't overdo it with uh, the baby Yoda either throughout the series. I mean, they could have very easily made him way cuter, but they kept it just on a level that is uh, tolerable, you know, uh, um because they could have made him gotten into all kind of hijinks, but they didn't
2: he he does yeah I think he was used just right and one of my favorite baby Yoda things is in a later episode when he's like pushing buttons and Amanda <laughs> wants him to stop it's so great I laughed and laughed and laughed do you guys want to say anything else about this this first episode
0: great intro. Uh, I, I would uh i would say that um his
1: presence somehow Pedro Pascal you know, takes the
0: the very unenviable task of, hey, guess what? You're an actor. Um, but we're never going to see your face. Do and you... we're literally never going to see your face. Uh, but I still get paid, paid, right? <laughs> no doubt. Do you guys um, know uh, if he wore and I had the... To... Well, Mike and I had discussions it's like we're trying to figure out you know because I'm sitting there thinking you know there's some there's some obvious stunt work that uh, that Pedro Pascal is probably not doing but uh, Mike's Mike's supposition was that it was probably Pedro Pascal in the vo booth and maybe uh, never ever on set
2: that's quite um, possible and I've never because, I have not done any research into it so I was I wondered if you guys knew about it
0: and see, my, my thought, and and these are just all guesses. My, my thought was that it probably was Pedro Pascal in the uniform, uh, unless he needed to be you know jumping on the side of a uh, uh, you know a Jawa transport or something like that. Spoilers.
1: I I would say because because Mando you know uh, he doesn't have that mask, so it's all about body language and how he holds himself. I would say it's the actor, but you know I that, that was, I, yeah, I, was I would. Yeah, and I would also say that you know, um, uh, you know, they they didn't he didn't wear the helmet until they started shooting. You know, I'm sure he they did all the rehearsals, and then when they were ready to shoot, they popped the helmet on him.
2: Uh, or I just if called it was up, a CG helmet. I just called up Pedro Pascal's uh, actually. Yeah. No, I just called up the Mandalorian Star Wars characters page on Wikipedia, and it talks about in one of the subsections. It's called portrayal um it says Pedro Pascal I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's it's huge but it was also in that same section it was um other performers as well um actor Brendan Wayne and stunt performer Latif Crowder served as body doubles and performed as the character when Pascal was unavailable so it's very possible that um he did wear it on occasion it, maybe it was him in in the thing I would like to think that it was because you know body language is a huge portion of a character especially when you don't see his face. Yeah,
0: you know I agree. so um, That's absolutely right because those are the kind of decisions that an actor is absolutely making is, is how do I move and how do I stand and you know what's my resting blank face and you know you know it's the the actor obviously is all about you know creating the backstory and, and to inform the character and the way that that character would behave, and so it seems counterintuitive that you would have someone besides Pedro Pascal in the uniform just to keep everything um, you know truly consistent um, across uh, across the episodes. Um, now, um, I, I, saw, I saw something on Reddit that basically said that uh, it was. Um, uh it was Wayne, uh Brendan Wayne, uh uh in the uh armor the whole way through and that Pedro Pascal actually never wore it in season one, which we know is is incorrect because we saw him in it Sans helmet right. you know, later down in the series. Um so I, I I blew that that answer off immediately and I'm looking at uh, an IndieWire article that uh that talks about um how uh uh, it was a little of everything. Uh, like you said, Brendan Wayne, Latif Crowder were the, uh, were the two people that uh, uh, worked in the, uh, uh, the costume most. Uh, by the way, Brendan Wayne, fun fact, uh, Brendan Wayne's granddaddy, John Wayne.
2: That's why, That's why he right. walks the way Pilgrims. he does. That's why the Mandalorian right. walks Pilgrims. the way he does. That's, awesome
0: is that amazing yeah <laughs> isn't that cool man Before So yeah uh, john wayne's grandkid is uh is the mandalorian
1: that's
2: fantastic
0: um now it says um do you,
1: do you uh, think he he drops that nugget like uh as often as he can oh sure you know uh, he's, like he's like, rehearsing oh my God, just like my granddad i'm gonna yeah, yeah y'all ever want to yeah, know how john horse, wayne walked yes. Watch this <laughs> hey i think i'll have my steak medium rare just like my granddad John wayne
0: (laughs) so so wayne was wayne was the the second and uh uh, latif was the stunt double um wayne and uh pascal basically spent uh Spent, uh, probably Wayne spent more time in the costume than Pascal did but it does say specifically that uh, when Pascal was not in the Mandalorian armor um, uh, on set uh, obviously already always voiced the episodes but he said the uh, he and Wayne uh, were with each other frequently and did a lot of collaboration to ensure that the Mandalorian's movements would be, uh, would, would there would be continuity uh, yeah.
2: to it. I just saw um, that Wayne worked on every first season episode of The Mandalorian and he worked closely yeah. with Pascal to develop the character's on-screen movements with each asking the other how they would handle certain movements and gestures to ensure the character was seamless no matter who played him. Okay, that right there is enough to to tell me that, yes, in fact, Pedro Pascal did wear the uh, armor on occasion. And that makes me very, very happy.
1: What if they I had agree. what if one of the uh, substitute actors was had a smaller stature like a Kevin Hart type of stature so they they'd be cutting between that would be funny scenes and you know it is the Mandalorian but sometimes he's this tall sometimes that he's would be great. wee tall you you
0: you can see in the dirt where they had a box in the in the, the previous scene <laughs> and then they removed it so the real height guy could stand there um, I think that's very likely. Um, I, I also I don't remember though the other line. Aren't you a little short for a Mandalorian? Yeah. Uh, being in the show, which which episode was that in? Tell Bef- me. <laughs> uh,
2: before we move on to chapter two, let's just briefly talk about Nick Nolte. Um, he was great. He was great. You may or may not have been his face and makeup at all, but I loved his
1: performance. You know, it was a voice performance, but I thought it was wonderful. I love that character so much. Uh, What was his? Yeah, I have spoken. That was such a great small line that um, that they used to end the scene. Uh, Yeah, bravo to that character. Uh, You know, I, I wish we got more of them.
0: I was just bummed out because my uh, my petition to uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Dave Filoni and John Favreau was apparently completely ignored. Um, I, uh, I I got four people to sign the petition asking for uh, Keenan Thompson to play that role. Oh,
2: you shut up right now! All right, let's move on to uh, chapter two entitled "The Child," directed by Rick Famuyiwa, written by John Favreau. While returning to his ship with the child, the Mandalorian fights and kills a group of rival bounty hunters who ambush him. That scene was great. Walking through the the caverns, you know. Oh, great. Yeah. Nearing his ship, he finds it being stripped by Jawas for parts (laughs) and violently confronts them. Those damn dirty apes. When he tries to attack their sandcrawler, the Jawas stun him and drop him from its roof. The following day, Quill helps him locate the Jawas. And, negotiates, uh, and, to, and to negotiate for the return of his ship's components. The Mandalorian agrees to retrieve the egg of a rhinoceros-like Mudhorn in exchange for the stolen parts. He enters the Mudhorn's cave, only to be hurled out by the angry beast inside, which attacks him repeatedly, damaging his armor. As the Mudhorn rushes in for the kill, the child uses the force to levitate the beast, allowing the surprised Mandalorian to stab and kill it. He collects the egg and takes it to the Jawas, who crack it open and eat its yellow insides. With the the trade complete, the Mandalorian and Quill work together to repair the ship, allowing the Mandalorian to leave the planet with the child. The only problem I had with this episode was that this egg was enough for the Jawas to give everything back. I mean, was it that much of a delicacy for them?
1: I've you know, being, being this, a small stature, the Jawas, uh, you know, they never could get one on their own. So uh, uh, I'm sure it was pretty exciting to get it. Yeah, uh, I was okay with it.
0: Man, I could spend an entire podcast talking about this one episode. I, I thought it was uh, borderline brilliant to make the the payment the Jawas demanded. Basically, uh, you know, we need an omelet.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you're gonna uh, And you know what? We've got we've got enough crap back here in our freaking uh in, in our in our uh little transport that yeah you can have all the stuff we just got from you um you know uh we, yeah we we want uh we're we're hungry we want breakfast so either I, go through a mcdonald's drive through or go find us this uh this delicious egg
1: this this episode was so much fun uh without like being uh uh like it like it was funny, but not haha funny. It was just a joy to watch because so much happened in it. Yeah, um, I liked the uh,
2: the fact that these Jawas had red eyes instead of our Tatooine Jawas with yellow eyes. And these, I did some research on that. These were, I think they called them off world uh, Jawas, or something Is like sh- that. There was some kind of word like that. It, it to me it it uh, suggested the fact that Jawas were from Tatooine. Uh, and any other Jawa that wasn't on Tatooine, you know, had red eyes or something like that. I don't know. It's they, just... they
1: inhaled the spice of the planet and their eye color Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you.
2: And then the big thing in this episode is, of course, when the child uses the Force. Okay, he's got it. He's a Yoda. He's definitely a Yoda, you know. That was pretty amazing. And then, of course, he gets tuckered out like any... Like any 50-year-old toddler, he gets, he gets, uh,
1: he gets tuckered out when he uses, yeah,
0: yeah. I know.
1: Which is, Um, which is how we describe you, Brad, a 50-year-old toddler. Well, you know what?
2: (laughs) That is, I'll, I will own that description. I will own that description. I knew you'd
0: like that. I'd be the first to
2: admit that that's accurate.
0: Yeah, Brad, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I I feel like Peter Pan most of the time myself.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: Um. this this friggin' episode has uh, has has a scene in it that absolutely left me just stunned. I mean just speechless, uh, which is not usual. Um the scene where he tries or he realizes that his ship's been taken apart. He realizes the Jawas have done it. He goes to the Jawas to get his dang stuff back. And the scene with him, uh, trying to mount slash infiltrate slash exfiltrate the, um, uh, the Jawa, uh, uh, the Jawa transport is probably, thank you, the Sandcrawler. Good Lord. It's early. Um, is probably the coolest scene I've seen in any Star Wars in I don't know thirty years maybe. I just I uh, I just I don't know why this one scene caught me so hard. Oh, I, I know why. It's because uh, this you know, in the first episode you get the sense that holy cow these guys are really subverting expectations. You know um, they're taking what you think is going to happen and. You know, you may get the broad brushstrokes uh, the way the way you expect it to happen, but it's not, but the details, the the, the road to get there, uh, the road to get there will will not be normal. And so you get this little feeling in the first episode that, man, this may be something really different. You know, this may not be color by numbers. Um, and when we get to the scene where he's trying to get on the sand crawler and just the the way that scene plays out, I, I was literally standing up in the living room just just wondering exactly what was real anymore. Um, just fantastic. Um, uh,
1: the, I, I got a yeah, little because sense he gets of, little a, of a, I think it's, it's Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders Lost Ark, when Indy's stuck on the t- t- turret of that tank and they yeah. start to skirt it. Uh, that reminded me of that scene. I don't know if they were trying to play Ormage or if they were just similar, but that's such a wonderful scene.
2: It, that scene also reminded me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail when King Arthur and the knights were trying to get in the castle and they, all the the French knights <laughs> at the top started throwing stuff at them from the top. That's <laughs> what that reminded me of. Run away! But that you're right, Bill. Just, that This whole scene was just it was fun it was great
0: well and you expect the hero to win you expect the hero to find a way i mean that's that's been you know that's been popular culture and storytelling for you know thousands of years and to see this guy run up against something like this it's not you know this isn't a death star you know this isn't star killer base he's trying this is a freaking sand crawler and the the outcome of the scene where he is on his back and soundly defeated was just stunning. It's like you don't do that in Disney. You don't do that in Star Wars. You don't do that, and and it happened. They did that, and it was freaking amazing. I this, char- this
1: character, this character Mando. The one thing I I like about him is going into the show. I thought he was a a cold. This is my impression, uh, cold blooded calculating, uh, killer who did everything right the first time. And it was refreshing to see that he is not, he is a human being, uh, trying his best (laughs) and failing at times.
0: The, The idea that he has foibles, uh, if you were wondering about it up till this point, you've realized with no doubt that uh, this guy may, he may lose his car keys just like us, you know? Um, You know, this is not a Mary, this is not whatever a male version of a Mary Sue is. Um, You know, this is not Ray Skywalker here. This is, I mean, this is somebody who, who's, you know, it's a job and, you know, it's not easy and it's not super glamorous. And, uh, uh, you know, they are, you know, letting the gray areas speak you know, through the story, um, just fantastic though to see the. You know, again, it, for me, what what that scene meant, him attacking the sandcrawler, was like okay. In the first episode, we hinted at you that we might subvert some expectations, and uh, here is the absolute confirmed proof that the rest of this series, this season, this this uh, the, whatever you want to call it, depending on what side of the pond you're on. Um, is absolutely you know not going to proceed in a linear fashion, and I just I I, I found that to be incredibly uh, comforting. Um, so just uh, could not have been happier. Um, yeah, just, I, just amazing to watch that that happen.
2: I liked seeing him, like you said a few seconds ago, minutes ago, uh, struggling. You know, he gets he gets his butt kicked by this mudhorn. You know, and he was <laughs> he was a dead man until uh, the child you know, helped him out. So yeah, yeah, he's not perfect. I He, he. I I find the Mandalorian to be a very relatable character because he has a job to do. Sometimes we have a job to do and we don't want to do it. You know, we struggle with that all the time. And then I know if we're all honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't do the job we've been hired to do. We do something else that feels right or better or just, you know, the right thing to do.
0: Yes. It's called editing. It's like, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what uh, what works best here.
2: <laughs> Do we have anything else about this episode?
0: Uh, besides that, it was awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, definitely uh, on my top tier of episodes. I don't know if it's the number one, but it's it's just so much fun. Yeah, it, it really well, is. Well,
0: you, you also realize that, that one one modern. Tr- that they are uh, absolutely uh, giving into is the idea that uh, this is basically going to be one long episode. You know, the season is going to be yeah. essentially one long episode. Yeah. You know, this is not episodic TV like you know Star Trek or the Next Generation or or, or pretty much everything up until this decade. Um, you know, you're you're not necessarily going to be able to sit down and watch you know episode four. You know, alone, and then get up and go. Okay, cool. I've seen a self-contained story, and, and I'm happy, and I can come back. Now, nah, I mean, these are more self-contained um, uh, than, say, uh, uh, Discovery or uh, Picard. I think it's it's actually quite similar. Um, I think these are slightly more self-contained than uh, some of the other uh, uh, modern. You know, the entire season is one story. Um, uh, but uh, but you definitely get that uh that that feeling and you know i'm we we talked about mike and i talked about that kids and i talked about that it's like you know i can't be mad at them i, I would love you know something i think it's interesting that, that if if a creator was to come out with some kind of sci-fi tv show that literally was episodic um then um uh, that would be a real shocker that'd be a real surprise to us at this point um, I mean, even I mean, as far as sci-fi, even uh, the, uh, the the very underrated uh, HBO show Avenue Five, which is uh, basically a comedy. I watched uh, it. Even, even it. Is not very episodic. Even it goes from one episode, yeah. lens directly into the next episode, and uh, so it's just it, it's it's more a cultural it's a, a cultural zeitgeist kind of thing right now. I I don't blame Star Trek for doing this. I don't blame Filoni and uh, Favreau for doing this. I just I just I just think it's a, an interesting sign of the times. One of the few because otherwise the Mandalorian really feels like a throwback. I, I don't think that's one thing we've talked about a whole lot is. The Mandalorian looks like, uh, you know, a New Hope. You know, it looks like uh, Return of the. Uh, you know, it looks like you know, the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, yeah, I think they went to looks, great
2: pains to do that.
0: Yes, I absolutely uh, believe that, and I'm, I would have to look it up. I, um, uh, they are clearly uh, giving it that look on purpose and i appreciate that and i don't know if that's more an homage to you know the original trilogy or just their desire for this to be uh, a western uh, which it essentially is it's something yeah. else we haven't talked about either, is that, um, is that this show is admittedly, uh, basically, it's a Western that's happening in space. And that's absolutely what it feels like. And uh, I think that's great. Um, I I was wondering if this show would give me the uh, the out to show the kids a Western or two. And uh, so far, not so much.
2: <laughs> well, that does it Maybe for... I'll show them Tombstone. That does it for chapter two, the child. That will also do it for this particular episode of Half Hour Wasted. We just passed like the fifty minute mark, so we're gonna oh. we're gonna be stretching this uh these um first season of the Mandalorian out over a few episodes of Half Hour Wasted. So we will be back next week to talk about more than likely at least two episodes, chapters three and four of the Mandalorian. Um,
1: anything else, guys? Mm. Um, can't wait to can't wait to revisit that. Just such a great series. Yeah, I'm looking forward
2: to chapter uh, or season two, which well we got some interesting. We gotta we gotta bring it up since this is our first time, and I meant to do this. So I don't know if you guys heard, but yesterday, as of this recording, yesterday there was, I think it was yesterday. I don't think it was two days ago. There have been many many reports, all quoting one source yes, who has said that and that one source is uh, I think it was Hollywood Reporter and the Hollywood Reporter says that quote unquote sources tell us that Tamira Morrison will be back in uh, season 2 of The Mandalorian as Boba Fett now this oh, ha- yes. this has not been as of this recording on May the 10th at 10.40 a.m., this has not been confirmed by Disney, It uh, and more than likely, uh, you will hear us talk about all eight episodes of The Mandalorian before we ever get an uh, official confirmation from Disney, unless Disney decides to drop it today on May the 10th while we're recording these episodes, so who knows, but uh, it's supposed to be, according to the report, it's supposed to be a very minor role. I'm... a assuming one episode just a just a cameo i hope it's more than that um but i think it if this is true i think it's absolute genius that they are getting tamira morrison to play him because of that after all boba fett is a clone of Django fett who was played yeah, by tamira yeah. morrison i think it's brilliant yes let's hope let's hope and pray to the star wars gods that it comes true <laughs>
1: And I trust John John Favreau and this team to make it a good story. Yeah. All right. Take us out. So that's it for Half Hour Wasted, the last commercial-free podcast on the internet. Be sure and follow us at Half Hour Wasted on Twitter. Drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what you're thinking. Uh, HalfHourWasted at gmail.com. Until next week, I'm Frank Soggy Bowl Rincon, I'm
2: Brad, uh, leftover milk Milo.
0: And I'm Bill. I just poured milk directly into the frickin' box, McDonald's.
1: And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted.